0: And everybody to the longhorn republic your source with texas longhorn news sports and opinions a bit of snark built and we are a podcast of Burn orange nation and you can find more great texas longhorn content over at Burn orange if you like what we do please leave us a rating or review on apple Podcasts it helps get the show out there share this with your friends wherever you found it whether it was apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher TuneIn, spotify anywhere where you find fine podcast content you can find this podcast uh, check us out on social media at longhorn pod on twitter facebook and instagram longhorn republic or you can shoot us an email longhorn republic pod at gmail.com my name is gerald goodrich i'm your host this week like i am every week and kyle is in mexico like some sort of jerk so i'm joined by the man himself westcott eberts the managing editor of burn orange nation and uh the guy who allows us to have this platform <laughs> and westcott thank you so much for joining us Yeah, thanks for having me gerald awesome well today we're gonna dive in on The uh, series opener from the College World Series, as well as some recruiting. Texas had a big recruiting weekend, uh, had a bunch of official visitors on site. And so we'll talk a little bit. Um, If you don't know, Westcott has a background in in scouting and stuff like that. So we'll talk to him about the roster and and where Texas needs to land the talent. And we will uh, have a good time with it. So uh, if you're unaware, which if you're listening to this podcast, and I don't think that's possible, but Texas in the College World Series, but dropped its opener dramatic fashion, two to one Mississippi state uh, Texas managed just four hits on 31 at bats uh, struck out 21 times, which is just the Mississippi state pitching and the, uh, the man behind the plate combined to strike out Texas 21 times. Absolutely nuts. Texas a five on base got a little interesting in the bottom of the ninth, but Mississippi state closed the door uh, on Texas. So the from your vantage point, like, What's going on with the Texas bats? Cause this is not the second time where they just have not had the answer for what Mississippi state is throwing
1: at them from the, from the bump. You know, the opening game, there are definitely some excuses with Texas, not being able to get into the practice facility with the winter storm that happened. Um, you know, on, on Sunday, I don't think there are really any excuses. Uh, this lineup has been performing much better. There are some guys who are struggling early in the season. Uh, Mike and Tico particularly, um, Ivan Melendez wasn't a fixture in the lineup yet even though he homered um, in that game and, and so I think it was disappointing um, for those issues to continue but you know at, at the same time I think you know as the Longhorns fans at TD Ameritrade Park in Omaha did you kind of just have to tip your hat to Will Bednar because uh, he had a fantastic performance he's a guy who's going to be a first round draft pick in all likelihood in a couple of weeks he's going to make a lot of money and you know it's because his, his stuff is is really that good and um, he admitted after the game that that was, you know, maybe the best performance, you know, that he's ever had, you know, in his life. And, um, you know, it was one of those situations where he really rose to the moment and was loose and confident. And I think Texas uh, was a little bit tight. I think they lost their their confidence early. And, you know, for me, I think the thing that I was most frustrated by is that, you know, the scouting report on Bednar was pretty clear coming in that, he was a guy who likes to throw his fastball up. And, you know, what I wrote on Sunday morning was that, you know, if Texas is going to be successful, they have to lay off the high fastball and they have to force the home plate umpire to call some high strikes. Certainly that happened a couple of times, you know, when Sims was in Doug Douglas Hodo the, the third got, you know, a three, one count that was up around, you know, his neck basically was called a <laughs> strike. But, you know, I, I think Texas just, needed to have a, a better conception of what it was that Bender was trying to do to, to them and not give in to him by swinging at those high strikes. But, you know, the other thing that I will say about that is that, you know, Bender is really unique. And, and one of the reasons why he's so highly regarded by scouts is because his fastball has basically no tilt on it. You know, it comes out of his hand and it, it remains at almost the same plane that it leaves his hand at, And, you know, that's really unusual. I saw Texas players, you know, swinging under a lot of pitches. And so I think, you know, that was something that was really difficult for them, even when he was pitching down in the zone is just trying to figure out where the ball was going to be. And, you know, certainly the playing conditions, you know, at TD Ameritrade park, where, you know, the ball was coming into the shadow for the first few innings uh, made that more difficult, but, you know, that doesn't really explain why, you know, the second time through the order against Bednar, you know, there wasn't really any more success for Texas.
0: And I think that's that's my biggest frustration and if it felt like over n- at least we'll say eight innings because the ninth inning felt a little different, but over eight innings for the very least, like nothing changed with their approach from the plate. They were they were still it and it it worked for them throughout the regular season and it got on the regular season big 12 championship as they were swinging the bat hard and trying to put balls deep into the you know deep in deep in play. and so but as, the game progressed and and nothing changed for them. Like it just felt like whether it's coaching, whether it's players not responding to coaching, whether it's players not adjusting, like I'm not sure why and how something from the way that they approached the plate, I put it out there in Twitter. Like they, they would have been better off. I think at least trying to, Shorten the swings a little bit earlier in the game and try to just put put something on the ground and, and force them to deal with a couple of base runners because well twenty one strikeouts is an absolutely ridiculous number you don't have a ton of people on base it's crazy that they even had five players to leave on base uh, in that contest so um, I mean, it's just nuts to think about
1: yeah I definitely agree with you um, you know on the adjustment in their approach. Uh, In the ninth inning, when Texas finally had that rally, Cam Williams got down 0-2, and he had taken a couple cuts like he was trying to tie the game. Um, And then he finally shortened his swing up on 0-2 and was able to get one of those four base hits during the game. And I just didn't see the Longhorns really taking that approach that often. And, you know, I I think even against the type of pitching that they're facing, it's not good enough to just shorten up on two-strike pitches. You know, you see Benner. You know, had that, you know, slider that's so nasty that has, you know, that glove side movement to it that, you know, can miss your bat if he throws it outside to right-handed hitters. And and so I think that was really, you know, I think Texas needed to come to the plate the entire game with a two-strike approach as soon as they got into the batter's box. And, you know, I was a little bit surprised as well that, you know, some of the guys like, um, you know, Hodo, um, Eric Kennedy, the guys who, you know, have – you know, a lot of bunt base hits or sacrifices this year that, that they weren't trying to bunt in, in some of the situations with, you know, less than two outs just to try to put a little bit of pressure on the Mississippi State defense, which, I mean, those guys must have been bored like pretty much the whole day. They, you know, they had nothing. To do. Um, and so I, I think those were, were some things that, you know, stood out. And, you know, at the, at the same time, I would say, you know, it looks like, um, you know, Vanderbilt lost today. So they're going to have some elimination games. And, you know, if Texas was going to face them, they need to get to the finals. But other than that, you know, unless they face Bednar again, I don't I don't think they're going to face that type of quality from a starter. So, you know, at the same time, Texas was, you know, a little bit unlucky to, to catch, you know, a really good pitcher, you know, at the top of his game. And, you know, that's that's what Omaha is about. And, you know, Texas has certainly you know, seen that before from some of the, the really good arms that they faced. So, you know, it's not something that they were unfamiliar with, but the, you know, the response in, until the final inning just wasn't there.
0: Yeah. And I mean, name a better pair uh, players having career games against Texas in whatever postseason it might be. Like, it's just, it, it just feels like a, not self-fulfilling prophecy, but it just feels like a, Oh, this again, right? Like, again, you're absolutely right. Texas ran into a buzzsaw and it just happened to be uh some bad luck, but, I mean, you call it bad luck, but the back, what, four guys in the in the lineup were combined, what, 0 for, 0 for 12, which is just absolutely, like, I don't, I don't know what to say. That's just inexcusable. Like, it's, uh, it's put a ball on the ground to try. And we saw toward the end of the game that you know, there, was a, there was an attempt at a bunt, at least a drag bunt, at least one bunt attempt to try to get somebody on base. But it just, it was, it felt like too little too late. Like, at the point where they seemed to figure it out, there were only three outs left on the board.
1: Yeah, agreed. Um, and, you know, I wonder a little bit, um, you know, I, th- I think the nerves may have played you a know, role a little bit. But I also wonder if, if the approach changed a little bit when Texas got to the ballpark and, you know, TD Ameritrade typically plays much smaller than Rosenblatt did, which was a very, you know, hitter friendly stadium. But, you know, with the wind blowing out at about 20 miles an hour to center field, you know, I wonder how much of, you know, the Texas approach kind of falling apart was guys thinking, you know, if we just get it up into that jet stream, then, you know, the ball is going to carry out. And, you know, you saw that from uh, Melendez and one of his early at bats, you know, he nearly had a, a home run on a routine fly out that should have been, you know, maybe 250 feet that carried all the way to the warning track. Um, so it was definitely something that could have played a factor, but, um, you know, Texas just uh, couldn't couldn't let it work for him by being able to put the ball in play
0: yeah there were there were a couple of spots where it, f- it you have that sound where the ball or where the batter hits it and you're like that that could be gone there were a couple of those and they were just the the warning track ate him up so texas now on the day that you're listening to this on tuesday uh, some of you may not listen to it before the game but on tuesday they've got tennessee a battle of the real ut if you look historically texas is the real ut but it's fine it is what it is people are going to make whatever they want to make out of it so westcott what are you looking for from them in this elimination game when when and stay alive they've got uh no lives left what are you looking for them on, uh, on tuesday
1: yeah well i think uh one matchup that I'm, I'm really looking at is you know tristan stevens who's been really excellent all year at getting a lot of ground balls with his sinking fastball and then um you know, the slider that he likes to use. Uh, Tennessee has, I believe, they're close to 100 home runs this year, uh, which is uh, second in school history. So they're a team that has a lot of power. Um, You know, obviously the the weather conditions at TD Ameritrade will impact that some tomorrow. So that's something to watch. But I think that Stevens, just because he does keep the ball down and, and induce so many ground outs, I think he's a really favorable matchup for Texas. And then, you know, at the plate for the Longhorns, to see if they can kind of get settled in a little bit more, you know, I I think there's probably some frustration. Um, You know, they worked six full counts before they finally drew a walk, and there were a couple times where, you know, Cam Williams had a ball that was outside way off the plate that he got punched out on. Um, You know, Hodo had one that I think was was closer definitely – um, you know, something that was reasonable to call, but, you know, some of those base runners that were impacted by, um, you know, the, the variable strike zone. Um, but, I, you know, see if Texas can, can get a little bit more comfortable at the plate, you know, have a little bit more success when they work those counts. Um, you know, Tennessee's number two starter is certainly, you know, not the quality of, of Bednar. So, you know, the offense should have a, a much better opportunity to be successful and then try to keep Texas alive
0: variable strike zone is the most judicious way I've heard that said. The the internet was not kind to that umpire. Uh, nor should they have been, but uh like we whatever it's fine. Don't put like I'm a, I'm a don't put yourself in a position for the officiating to to impact it, but like also you cost Texas a couple of base runners there and that's fine.
1: Right, Texas is I mean that type of baseball team, you know, they have a number of guys who really have excellent command of the strike zone. I mean, you can, it's almost all the way through the lineup. Uh, Mike Antico, Mitchell Daly, Zach Zubia, Ivan Melendez, um, Silas Ardwan. You know, so Texas has, you know, at least five guys in their lineup who, who really know, have an understanding of, of where the ball is. And so, you know, that's, that's something where, you know, David Pierce has said at times that he, he would like them to be a little bit more aggressive. I think with the way that the, the strike zone was on Sunday in that game, that that was definitely a game where maybe they needed to be a little bit more aggressive at the same time. I mean, they're swinging and missing constantly. So, you know, there's not really a lot of, of good answers uh, for that, but, you know, we'll see how uh, the the type of approach that that Texas takes and, and whether they make, you know, any of those adjustments that, that we've talked about that, you know, arguably they should have made in the game on Sunday.
0: And I think the the way that it ended, gives me a little bit of, of I think if they, if they just ended and got mowed down in the ninth by, by Landon Sims, like they did in the, the previous three innings, like I got, I'd feel a little shakier heading in, but the fact that they seem to figure it out and settled in and did what Texas has been able to do all year, put it, put a ball over the fence, put a couple of base runners in position. And again, the, the, the Hodo, his last at bat was still weird. It was better. It was better uh, that the strike zone was still a little iffy, but Texas being able to figure something out and settle in they're a team that can can go on a you know three game run and close this thing out and again they all have to probably face Mississippi State at least one more time to to do so, but worse things have happened. play play with your back against the wall is not a bad way to, to go about your life.
1: No, I think that's a really important point you know we'll we'll see in a few hours here if um, if any of that can carry over but I, I do really think that was important for texas to to really battle in the ninth inning and and get settled in and get confident you know if you remember the last time they were in omaha in 2018 you know it was midway through their second game when it finally looked like they kind of adjusted to the to the situation and and got used to to being able to play on that stage and you know by that time they were down six nothing to florida and you know it just didn't matter so you know hopefully You know that that finish, even though it fell short, will you know put Texas in a position where they can come out and and be competitive from the first pitch on Tuesday.
0: So again, you guys, most of you have probably already started the game if you haven't gotten to it. But Texas is taking on Tennessee in an elimination game at one PM on Tuesday on ESPN two. Check it out, and hopefully, we've got more baseball to talk about next week. So it was another big weekend of visits for the Longhorn, Uh, a bunch of players on officials or almost official visits, but a mix of committed and uncommitted players on there. Texas currently has 11 players committed and several of them were on campus this weekend, including quarterback Malik Murphy, running back Jaden Blue, got guys from both sides of the ball, but those were kind of the marquee ones. Uh, Armani Winfield was on hand as well, but Texas sits with the number five. Uh, recruiting class in the country, the top team in the big 12, but there are some holes to fill in the roster, especially after uh, what we can get. We'll we'll go ahead and call it a lackluster recruiting performance uh, for the, for the previous outgoing staff. And again, Sark and co tried to clean it up as they came in, but uh, a little bit too, little too late, but well, Scott, you, you, with your background in scouting and, and just knowing football overall, but as you think about like the roster going into 2020, there's a lot of talent, but there definitely are some gaps. And so as we look at what Texas needs to hit on the most to, to build for success, right, because because really winning solves everything. So if Texas is going to put put together a crew, put together a staff um, that's going to be able to win quickly, where do you think they need to hit on the most in this in this cycle?
1: Well, Steve uh, Sarkeesian talked about this when he got to Austin and, you know, he looked at the roster construction and I think he was really surprised that there are so many wide receivers and, um, you know, tight end is another position where, you know, Texas has, has a little bit of a glut, alleviated somewhat by the departure of uh, Malcolm Epps to the University of Texas at uh, Los Angeles, also known as <laughs> by some people. Um, but, you know, I think he, he got to Texas and, you know, was really surprised that there weren't um, more numbers in the trenches. And so I think that's an area that he really wants to fix. You know, obviously offensive line um, is a really important group um, for this cycle. You know, two important targets were on campus over the weekend, Austin Westlake's Connor Robertson, and then uh, Kelvin Banks out of uh, Summer Creek in in Humble. And, uh, you know, Banks is a consensus five-star prospect. I think he's number 15 in the 24 uh, seven sports composite rankings. So one of the top offensive tackles in the country, really important target. A couple crystal balls came in um, after the visit uh, from your dude, Mike Roach, and, and then Nick Harris over at Horns 24 seven. So that's gonna be a, a really large group. Uh, I think Texas wants to take, you know, four or five guys there after, you know, Kyle floods predecessor uh, really soiled the bed um, on that one in the, the 2021 recruiting class and you know, missed out on a number of really highly rated prospects in state. Um, you know, the other position, um, you know, on the other side of the ball, uh, along the defensive line in another area where Texas really wants to land um, some impact guys and they were able to add um, a couple, uh, a couple guys late Um you know, either in the 2021 recruiting class uh, down the stretch, David Albiara, and then um, really just threw some numbers, you know, at that Jack position, trying to replace Joseph Osai, Ray Thornton from LSU. Um, I expect Ben Davis, uh, you know, will probably get a shot there as well from Alabama. And then um, uh, I don't want to mispronounce his name. The Notre Dame transfer Ovi Okofo I think is how you pronounce his name. I might be getting that wrong. Call him Ovi. Um, you know, I, that works. I think that, yeah, the thing about those guys is that, I mean, they, they basically haven't produced at all um, during their careers. You know, Davis was really highly recruited. Uh, Thornton was a four-star out of Colleen. Uh, you know, OV um, not quite as, as highly considered. You know, I think those are guys who should be good culture fits. Uh, Texas has connections to all of them. Um, Sarkeesian coached against Thornton, you know, in, in the same conference, uh, coached. Uh, ben, you know, is on the same staff as Ben Davis. Terry Joseph knows Ovi from Notre Dame. Um, so I think those guys should all be good culture fits. Um, you know, they might prove me wrong. I don't really expect them to, to have a big impact on the field. Uh, so that Jack position is really one where where Texas needs to land some impact players. Uh, they do have a commitment from Anthony Jones um, out of Nevada, who had previously uh, committed to, to PK when he was at Washington, the, the new Texas uh, defensive coordinator. Um, they're also in good shape with uh, Derek Brown um, from Texarkana, who was in um, not this last weekend, but the weekend before. You know, I, th- I think they're in really good shape with him. You know, I, I think you know, other than the offensive linemen, this wasn't a group that was really going to address those needs you know, in the trenches, other than having you know, uh, Galena Park North Shore defensive tackle Chris Ross um, on campus, but you know, really, this was a little bit more um, skill position heavy. You know, there are four wide res- uncommitted wide receivers who are on campus, um, including you know, five star prospect Evan Stewart, who was formerly committed to Texas, CJ Williams from California, who goes to school with Steve Sarkeesian's son, uh, Shaz Preston out of Louisiana. Tough to pull kids out of the boot. You know, they got them on campus. That's a success. I'd still expect him to end up at LSU, but you know, speedster uh, Brandon Thompson. You know, I know he's a guy that that you like um, out of Spearman. Um, You know, Texas may be in the lead for him now after you know Clemson was really the team to watch a couple months ago, Um, and then you know, a couple big-time cornerbacks on campus, uh, Denver Harris out of North Shore as well. Texas has been in great position with him. You know, hopefully they they extended that lead. You know, from the the coaching staff perspective, and then Terrence Brooks as well. Uh, from the Metroplex um, was on campus, so you know a lot of a lot of talent uh, for Texas on campus, and you know really a, just an important recruiting month because of the dead period. With most of these kids, you know, haven't been able to to take any visits really at all. Um, you know, since their recruitments have taken off, you know, certainly they haven't had a chance to meet Charkisian and and his coaching staff, and you know, I, I think that you know they have a good support staff you know, to help them. And, and so far, all of the early returns, you know, have been really positive, but, you know, just a, a huge recruiting month for Texas really to, to set the stage for the, the 2022 and 2023 uh, recruiting classes. And even, you know, the 2024 kid, you know, on campus and uh, BJ Allen's younger brother, Jaden.
0: So you mentioned a, a lot of things that, that are near and dear to my heart and regular, regular listeners of, of the podcast know that I have, I'm still bearing scars from Herb Hand's inability to close on damn near anybody last year. It absolutely hurts my soul in a deep way, um, and I, I say that jokingly. There was there were a couple of players over the last two two cycles that I really like, but it just you know when you've got Texas legacies that are kind of considering Texas out of a formality, um, it hurts. It hurts me deep. But that offensive line class again, this is one that really could be special. You've got you could take four top 200 kids and not have to look outside of the borders of the state of Texas, which is a really good position to be in. And if Texas can close on them, it's, they've got a really good opportunity. And we already, we've talked about it. Um, Devon Campbell's a kid who already looks good in burnt orange, which is really hard to do. And so like, he's got that going for him already. You've got um, again, book, you take bookends from, Umble, you, you've got um even a kid in OU legacy that's c- considering Texas at this point along that offensive line and Jacob Sexton, who Texas has an opportunity again to to if you can strike a a a blow to um OU in that way, that would also just make me feel good on the inside. But um you mentioned a couple of cornerbacks in, in um uh, in Denver Harrison. Terrence Brooks and Texas already has Jalen Gilbo on the, in that group as well, who um, they keep cheating him out of that half inch. They list him at 5'11 and a half on, on most recruiting services. Like just give the man the extra half inch, but that, that is a set of corners that can lock down the, you can't really lock down an offense in the big 12, but they can slow down some of these offenses and at least um, yeah. put Texas in a position where they don't have to score 90 points to win a game. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But again, Um, the state of Texas continues to, I think, unfortunately not produce a ton of top tier linebackers and, and, and that linebacker position is changing, but still over the last couple of cycles, there haven't been really a ton of, and this is a weird way to say it, but like big 12 type linebackers coming from the state. And so having to go to the West coast, having to go out to new jersey to grab kids it's just it's an interesting situation to be in um harold perkins is a kid that texas is still in the running for but outside of that like there's not really you know you've got jalen sneed out at hilton head who's a kid that texas is kicking the fires on it at um who affords alma mater it's like you've just got to try to put something together um at that at that linebacker and really edge position so it's it's going to be interesting to see how this class shakes out
1: yeah um uh, you know you mentioned perkins you know he's a a star uh, consensus, five-star prospect, you know, has the type of game that fits well in the big 12 Um, getting him on campus was, you know, hugely important the other week. Um, I'm still not sure that, that he's a guy that Texas is going to be able to keep out out of the SEC. Uh, You know, so that's, that's certainly a recruitment to watch kind of over the rest of the summer to see if, you know, Texas still is kind of in the mix there or if they can even, you know, surge a little bit. I think he's a guy that, you know, they'd probably have to get back on on campus again in the fall for a game to really have a chance with um, Trevelle Johnson from Arlington, Martin, you know, as a commit, he had been uh, taking a couple visits. He definitely fits that mold of, of a big 12 linebacker. And I, I think he's a guy that Texas should have been able to really lock in uh, with this visit over the last weekend. So that was certainly important. Um, Jeremy Patton, you know, is another guy, kind of a, you know, an athlete, plays for a small school out in East Texas who can um, you know, kind of fits that mold as well again. Um, I don't believe that they they've had him on, on campus yet. So I think he's a guy, another guy that they're probably looking to get in um, either maybe right before the, the dead period or before the dead tour or after that, you know, sometime maybe for practice or game in the fall. Um, you know, another guy, you know, Gilbo just uh, posted on, on Twitter that uh, he's going to be in this week. You know, he was at Texas a and and worked out last weekend. You know, he was a guy after Quinn Ewers decommitted. There are some questions about, you know, whether he was looking around. You know, he, he's been able to stick. But, you know, anytime, you know, a guy takes visits like that, you're kind of worried about it, you know, a little bit. Um, you know, another guy that Texas is going to have, um, on campus next week, I believe is is Bryce Anderson. You know, another important kid in the class, just because Texas suddenly ended up kind of kind of thin at safety. Uh, haven't quite they be the numbers that they might have liked. Uh, losing Xavier Alford, you know, out to that Texas school in Los Angeles. Um, you know, it was definitely a loss. And so, um, you know, he's a guy that uh, was at. A, He was at Alabama, I believe, and he was definitely at Texas A&M. So there's some competition there for Texas. It it seemed like Blake Gideon, you know, did some good work through the spring – you know, with the Anderson after he decommitted from LSU and, you know, Texas needs to, you know, make a good impression and, and surge with him next week because, you know, safety is a, a real position of need right now for the Longhorns.
0: He just tweeted, I think today that'll he be in uh, toward the end of this week. He's got a, he's uh, seven on 17 is in the state championship. And so that was uh, the reason why he canceled his official weekend visit. I think he's going to end up at Texas before for his official visit. And then uh, literally as we're recording, um, a top 100 kid out of out of the west coast Larry Turner Gooden is actually taking an official visit at Texas right now so he uh Texas uh finished as a runner up in his recruitment to um the Arizona State Sun Devils which if you haven't been keeping up with what's going on with them um that recruitment possibly just opened up for Texas again so there's possibilities Blake Blake Gideon's gonna earn his money this year it seems like he's he's gonna Again, even getting Texas in the conversation for, um, you know, BJ Anderson and, and Allen is is a big win for a new staff. But but getting Texas in the door for possibly, um, and there's a there's an opportunity early on in the cycle. It looked like Texas might take three safeties because they were in they were in the conversation for another top fifty kid out of out of Louisiana. But he, it's hard to get Louisiana kids to to out of the state. It's just if they're good, they're probably going to end up at LSU. And that's just the reality of recruiting. And I appreciate you mentioning Travell Johnson because the Arlington Martin pipeline needs to continue because uh, Maurice Blackwell from last year is one of my favorite players out of that class. And I think he could maybe not first year, but second year, he's a guy who probably has an opportunity um, to see some playing time at Trevelle Johnson as a kid who I think is, he seems like he's a candidate for the, the, the burnt orange media conspiracy complaints. Cause he's a guy, I think he's going to put up some film recruiting ranker is going to be weird because nobody was watching games this last year. So, but he's a kid that when you look at his film and you look at the frame, he's got, he's a guy who probably could see a big bump. So I'm interested to see how that shakes out. Uh, Texas has two more. Well, I guess one more weekend of visits and then we will uh, see a dead period in July and we'll probably see some players uh, decide to pull the trigger. And we'll obviously have updates for you as that happens. And so that's all we've got for you this week, man. Westcott, thank you so much for taking some time out, man. If people want to get more of what you've got, obviously they're probably following you if they're listening to this, but where can they find you
1: on the internet? Vernor's nation.com. You know, as always, um, on Twitter, SBN underscore Westcott W E S, um, on the, in the Twitter verse. And, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. It was a, uh, was a good time. And, um, We'll see how this uh, recruiting class shapes out for Texas, but uh, feeling confident about what the, uh, what the staff has been able to do so far. have fingers crossed.